Hey everyone, welcome to the 10th episode of the Good Sound Club podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom, and with me is Cena. Hey guys, we're in the double digits now. Wow. It's crazy. Never thought it, never thought it would happen. Never thought it would happen. Anniversary episode. 10th episode anniversary. We've been dishing out an episode every once in a while. I think that's a good time frame to go by, and I think that's uh, kind of what we like to do. We were trying to squeeze them all in, but I think this is this is better. All right. I wanted to make some announcements. Uh, we've had an email for a long time, <laughs> but no one has ever found it. It was only uh, really visible on the Apple podcast information. Uh, it's questions at goodsound.club questions at goodsound.club right into the want to write into the show you have something you want us to talk about or answer you know we'll read every message we we've had some questions and some questions are extremely difficult to answer and they take a lot of work like explain all of a person's life work it's like yeah i, <laughs> I don't i don't know if that's possible uh we'll, we'll try yeah i mean a little bit here every once in a while. I think that's, that's pretty good. Let's have a uh, website where you can find our podcast on all major podcast platforms. And that is uh, goodsound.club. Just just that. H-T-T-T-P colon slash, forward slash forward slash goodsound.club. I think people know how to use the, the internet. Yeah. I, it, it'll be in the show notes. You know, I try to put more show notes, maybe timestamps. I know a lot of people like YouTube, so I try to put more timestamps in. So, this week, what do we what do we want to talk about? Let's start start with uh, what's new. What's new with you, Cena? Uh, I uh, completed a uh, sixteen month long project of uh, getting speaker cabinets built. Well, uh, I say sixteen months. It was like. 12 months of research and planning and then four months of actually finding someone to do it. And, uh, I didn't build it myself. I can't use a, mm -hmm. a, a saw or any sort of woodworking tool for shit. But, um, anyway, I, I picked them up, um, on Saturday, I specifically, uh, found a guy who, uh, did not do speaker cabinets. He was just a woodworker, like an amateur woodworker. And he has this huge barn full of old wood, um, so I got very cheap on the lumber rates and, uh, you know, he's retired. He just does it as a hobby. And I specifically wanted someone who didn't know anything about speaker cabinets because I've had bad experiences with cabinet builders in the past, trying to give them my designs and them, um, trying to impart their own beliefs on it. And that's not what I wanted. I wanted someone to just build this thing the way that I had researched it because I planned everything out. Um, and so I drove over to, um, I live in Toronto, Ontario. I drove over to Cambridge, which is like two hours um, southwest of Toronto. It's like a small town, um, basically farm country. Um, and, you know, when I picked them up, they looked great. They felt great. Everything was done exactly how I wanted, but I was still super nervous on the drive home because I was thinking, you know, something's going to go wrong. There's going to be like a buzzing or rattling. Or I'm not going to like the sound. You know, I'm sure something's going to fuck up somewhere. But actually, I got home. I hooked them up. I installed my uh, speaker drivers in them, which um, are a pair of 1960s uh, coaxial drivers. They're really nothing that special. I could have put um, a multitude of different drivers into these boxes and they would have worked 
Um, and I kind of go into detail about what they are in a second, but um, I was just blown away. Like from the very first song, uh, there was some buzzing. I had a screw loose. I went in there, I, I screwed it tight, and then that's it. They just played really nice music. Um, big upgrade from the boxes that I, were use I was using before, which were like just these small um, particle board boxes. They weren't big enough, and they were just made of cheap material. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted with that. And we can talk a bit more about that, but um, that's kind of one thing that I really like. Another thing is uh, an amp that you and I have been talking about that we can talk a little bit about, but um, I got it just as like a stopgap solution to, to, I'm kind of in between amplifiers right now. So it's just this little tube amp that is on Amazon. It's kind of been on YouTube lately. A lot of people have heard about it, but um, I've been really happy with that. And uh, I picked up a bunch of new headphones. I'm starting to get a collection of um, specifically looking for very efficient, low impedance, cheap headphones from the late 90s to early 2000s. That seems to be where I'm having the most luck. So I picked up a couple of cans that I'm, I'm happy with. What about nice. you? Nice. Uh, me, I did end up getting a PlayStation 1. I've listened to it for a little bit. Um, without giving all my impressions of it, like ergonomically, it's pretty good. I like uh, the power button. It feels good. It clicks real nice. There's a little LED. Haven't opened it up. No mods yet. I don't. I don't think. Um, when you initially turn it on, there's like this, like sound effect. It feels like you're gonna watch like a Dolby Atmos movie, and mm -hmm. it's just like just deep bass. It really sets you up for the the musical experience, and uh, it's quite simple. I haven't plugged it into a TV yet. Just uh, my stereo, and I just press the start button on the controller, and it plays. Uh, one one quirk of it is it is quite sensitive to the surfaces of CDs, good mm -hmm. or bad. It's um, just got to be careful with what CDs you play. You know, there might be a skip here and there. I don't think it's a laser yet, but uh, some CDs are annoying. But I've just been using a microfiber cloth and trying to wipe away some debris on a CD. And it's been good so far. So for people who are not in the know, you, you bought a Sony PlayStation 1 to use as a CD player. I did. I did. Okay. I got tired of uh, the big box CDs that would just destroy themselves when they arrive anywhere. I think you just got to buy those local. I don't think you can ship them across the country unless you're very dedicated to the CD. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's been a thing for a while, right, to use to use PlayStations as CD players. Yeah, I, I think since 2005. Someone discovered it. it sounded good. Yeah, about it 17 years. Yeah, yeah. there's an Art Dudley article about it. Um, I believe the YouTuber Audio Technics had an interview with uh, the designer of those orangutan speakers. I John DeVore. John DeVore, yeah. John DeVore was a big fan. Uh, I think because it didn't sound like digital and I haven't heard much CD players, you know, 17 years ago, like way, way past, way before my time, but, um, didn't sound digital and that was good enough for him. He mostly is an analog person. So it's like, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what I want. It's not a resolution King, but it's quite, it's quite nice. I have a, uh, a CD suite that I really love, uh, playing for digital noise, not just digital noise, but also noise of the, in the recordings. It was, uh, lightning hopkins it's like a three cd set 
got it on Bandcamp, and there's so much noise. Like a high resolution system will just it will just sound completely awful. There's so much noise, breakup of the woofer, microphone clipping, you know, background noise, you name it. And uh, it, was, it was quite nice. Listen to that whole CD. And uh, here I am. Awesome. So do you have any sort of feet under it or anything? You're just... No, I, I don't. I'm thinking... I if that would help with the skipping. I, I, don't, I don't think it's a bass issue, but... It, it could be, because um, after I cleaned the CD, the issue disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just sensitive to the actual surface of the CD. And how much was it? You got it off eBay, right? No, I got it on Goodwill.com, like the shop Goodwill. It came with oh, two okay. original controllers. I was like, I mean, that's going to be the hardest part of the controller. Yeah, you can play two-player Spyro. Yeah, I can play Spyro. Whatever other games are on there, I mean, it, it's... It's not just for audio, but for now it is. It has right. other plans if it doesn't, you know, doesn't work too well. But well, I, I, yeah, I confess that I bought one too. So <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. two days, yeah. And I, I have a lot of expensive CD players, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, you know, I really hope you enjoy it. I, I think it's quite simple, very rudimentary. I, I, I can't imagine the buffer for the CD. It's very large because. You know, with bad with bad surfaces on some CDs, you know, you would expect most things to be able to play through that, but this little PS One cannot. So, um, I I just imagine it's quite musical, a little finicky, maybe esoteric, and you might like that. You know, I know you have some wooden feet there. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what else you'll do? You know, build a shrine for it. It's quite fun. The startup noise is is quite magical. I, I gotta admit. I actually, I heard one before, um, several years ago, I was going to buy a pair of, uh, JBL bookshelf speakers. Um, a really nice guy. He had a small system in his living room. It was just the PlayStation one, uh, a musical paradise two band. Mm-hmm. It's a and, Canadian uh, brand built. In yeah. China, I believe. Yeah. So like a really nice, like just small budget system, um, high value gear. And uh, he really liked the JBLs, but he was selling them because the Musical Paradise couldn't drive them. Um, he wanted to use something more efficient. Um, and I was like, is that a PlayStation? Because I hadn't, I haven't ever heard about this thing of using a PS1 for CDs. And he's like, yeah, it plays CDs. Sounds good. And I'm like, okay, how, how do you work this thing? Where's the play button? He's like, oh, you got to use the controller. And, uh, it was, yeah, very strange. But I mean, it sounded good. I bought the speakers. I took them home, but I couldn't really tell you anything more than that. Yeah, the start button is shaped like a play sign, and then the stops button is shaped like a rectangle. It just right. It just kind of makes oh, the sense. triangle and the square. Yep, it just okay. It just makes sense. Intuitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a different kind of design. You know what's interesting? As an aside, many people won't get this, but for PlayStation's um, American games, to go forward is uh, uh, X right like to go next in menus or whatever uh-huh. they always use x but japanese games they always use triangle i no, thought that circle. was interesting circle circle mm-hmm. yes you might be right it's been a few years i'm just thinking of metal gear solid yeah uh, yeah i wonder why that is maybe know. a cultural thing uh, yeah it's just it's just deep in there it's just deep in the culture i don't know what it is but it man starting it up it made me feel good so I'm just glad it, it, it even plays anything. I mean, it could just yeah, it works. Busted. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 
Tell me about the the speaker design. Yeah, so um, when I say I spent 12 months researching, I'm not kidding. Like, uh, essentially, this is um, a type of cabinet. It's a, it's a box speaker, but it's an open box. So, you know, from the front, it looks like a standard box, but the back is open. It's not, not closed. So it's not an open baffle because it has side and, and top and bottom walls, but it's also not a box speaker technically because it's not closed. It's an open system. Um, I don't know if I ever talked about it on the show before. I feel like I did, but anyway, that type of design was very popular in the early days of not even high fidelity before high fidelity sound in the home when they were making those large, um, console radios that, you know, would have the 12 to 15 inch woofer in them. And then the radio electronics above, um, those radios, a lot of people don't realize because they're always up against the wall somewhere, but the back is totally open. They're not closed in the back. It's very rare for them to have rear walls. And that was on purpose. Um, so this cabinet design, I basically found it on some esoteric Russian forms. Um, some guy's grandfather basically made his own cabinet based on one of those American radios, same proportion, same type of design. And, uh, you know, they put full range speakers in it and it sounded really good, especially with tube amplifiers. Um, so when I say I, I spent time researching it, like all the dimensions were there, but I didn't want to make them as big because those old radio consoles are like the size of a fridge and you need two people to move them comfortably. Um, so I knew I didn't want to do that. I wanted to like scale it down. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other nuances to it. Like there's a grill on the front. The grill is made of wood so it's not like a, a grill cloth it's like a literally a wooden grill and that kind of acts as like a diffuser for the front wave of sound um there's another feature where it's like there's holes cut into the side uh, near the bottom and i did some reading and apparently those holes are meant to um you know because unlike a closed system uh, there's no sound bouncing off of the rear of the cabinet and reflecting all around inside so you don't have to worry about those types of resonances, but you do have to worry about um, the internal air resonance of a speaker uh, basically building up, uh, up and down the sidewalls. And what happens is if you let that happen um, without mitigating it in any way, uh, you get rattling, essentially. You get rattling, you get kind of uh, buzzing near the resonant frequency of the, the speaker. It's not good. So uh, cutting holes into the sides of them, it looks funny, but it actually completely stops that issue um, with no no uh, side effects. Um, so kind of all those details, you know, how to mount it to the front face, all of this. I just took notes on it um, over the course of 12 months. I finally came up with a set of drawings. I adapted the dimensions using the golden ratio to kind of suit the size that I thought I wanted to where I could still handle them and pick them up as one person um, and also fit the speakers that I was planning to use. Um, and then finally, when I had the plans, I sent them to a bunch of different cabinet makers, most of whom were like furniture based. So they made like, you know, high end cabinets, custom for, uh, cabinet jobs, uh, stuff like that. A lot of them just uh, were like, you know, thanks, thanks for contacting us, but we don't we don't do this. Like, we're not going to do this. Um, and then I found some more independent people who were willing to do it. But um, when I started making all sorts of requests, like the type of wood to use and all that, they got annoyed with me and they dropped off. And finally, just by sheer luck, I was looking for a pair of benches on um, Kijiji, which is like Canadian Craigslist. Um, and I found this guy who, like I mentioned, he's, he's retired, he lives out in the country. And he, he was like, yeah, cool, let's do it. And, uh, you know, very reasonable cost too. 
So, um, you know, I, I kind of gave him the plans. I said, I want the box to be made out of pine. I want you to use this specific varnish. I gave him the varnish, uh, this specific thickness. Uh, the grill should look like this. There should be this uh, many millimeters of space in between the grill slots, all of that. And he did it all. Um, and because of all that attention to detail, they kind of just worked uh, the first time I, I um, plugged them in. And I'm really happy with the results. Like compared to the old boxes, the sound is much fuller. It's much bigger. Um, the bass goes lower. There is less um, sense of strain when you turn the volume up. Like you just keep turning it up and up and up and they don't ever compress, um, which is really amazing because when you kind of peek inside the box, there's just these tiny little speakers. You wouldn't ever think that they can make sound that large uh, by themselves, but they can. So yeah, they worked out really well and I'm super happy with them. Um, and they're probably going to be my main speakers like for the foreseeable future. Um, I already have plans and all the parts to make a bigger version with like mm -hmm. a dedicated woofer and all that. And I thought about doing it now, but then I realized that's just insane. Like I just got these, let me just enjoy them for a while. So yeah, yeah. yeah you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't actually be enjoying them. No, I wouldn't. Exactly. You'd be like, I got to upgrade now. <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot of people fall, fall into this. Like, Oh, if this is good, it's gotta, it's going to get better. So yeah. Well, the thing is that um, there's a whole bunch of like tweaks I can do now that don't cost anything. Like I can play around with how the drivers are mounted to the front baffle. Some people recommend putting like felt washers to isolate the driver mm -hmm. from the front baffle. Some people say bolt them right in. Um, I can try them with the grills on or off. Um, you know, I can mess around. Like I actually have made him make the back so that if I wanted to, I could put a back wall on there. And see how that affects the sound too. Um, not not to make them sealed, but to make them, you know, just have like a back wall that has holes in it. Um, because that's another thing that old radios did. So I just wanted to play around with that. So there's a lot of things that I can do that aren't going to cost a lot of money, but are in the realm of letting me kind of tweak and stay um, engaged without having to, you know, shell out and buy and sell stuff. Yeah, not audiophile money. Not, it's not, not going to cost yeah. you thousands of dollars to find out if it's good. Yeah, look, the cabinets were five hundred bucks Canadian, which is about three fifty US. Super That's reasonable. Nothing. Like, <laughs> That's oh my god, plywood here costs like if you want a sheet of plywood, it's like one hundred and twenty dollars in the same. So he really did me a solid with the pricing. Um, the drivers themselves not expensive. You can find them for two hundred bucks. They don't pop up that often, but like I said, this this type of cabinet design, you can put many many different inexpensive drivers and get high performance. Um, I happen to be using a two-way coaxial. You could do a single driver. You could do a two-way non-coaxial. You can make it a three-way if the box is large enough to kind of support mounting all the drivers. Um, kind of hard to explain on the podcast, like all the possible variations. You kind of need visual uh, aid I'll, to I'll see. I'll try it. to uh, post up the napkin math you had. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> that's I, I, classified. Oh, uh, it's classified? We should sell that plan on uh, <laughs> Etsy or whatever. No, yeah, digital kidding. download. Yeah, you can post the cabinet plans. I don't care. Um, Does it have a name? No. No. It doesn't, it, and it's very hard to describe because, like, it's it's a really alien concept to uh, a lot of people who are just used to ported speakers. Um, and you know, when you tell them it's it's an open system, like, oh, like an open baffle. No, it's not an open baffle at all. It's very very different actually because um, open baffles they have a lot of intrinsic issues um the biggest of which is interaction between the rear uh, wave of the speakers mm -hmm. if you have them in a in a room where 
um, the the rear waves of the speakers can see each other acoustically, it really messes with the stereo image. And some people like that. I think that's why those pure audio project speakers are so popular. Mm. I hate it. I don't like it at all. It really bothers me. Um, and the other problem is with low low end. Uh, you have to have a really freaking big baffle to get bass out of a, a driver that's mounted like that. Whereas if you have just uh, even wings, not necessarily side and top walls, but even wings, um, that helps a lot with the low end. So there's a lot of different variations. Um, it's almost but, like a uh, backloaded horn. Uh sort of like sort of uh it can be like um you know if you set them up in a way to where you're using the front wall of the listening room to reflect the sound then mm-hmm. it becomes like a gigantic backloaded horn in in, in yeah. a way yeah you could also do it where um you put them in the corners and so um the rear waves never see the light of day uh, that's another way and that gives another type of imaging where you're only getting the front the front wave of sound but uh, the way that I have them right now, I'm really happy with it. I just, I want to experiment with putting um, a back wall on there that has a bunch of holes in it. I think that's going to make the sound even better. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to listen to. A lot of different co- configurations. Yeah, but I think over time, I've realized that like speakers are the one thing that, uh, at least for me, I have to DIY. Like there's no one out there that is going to make speakers the way that I want them that are going to fit like the room that I have in mind, the type of sound that I have in mind, the type of amplifiers I want to use, they just don't exist. Um, and if they do exist, they're very uh, they're oh, yeah. like rare vintage speakers that, you know, you can't, can't buy for normal people money. Um, even if they were to be sold in your area where you live. So like Altec 604 is like, those are very nice speakers, but you just don't see them every day. Um, so some, some form of DIY, I think when it comes to speakers is, is required. Um, you know, I've listened, to, I've had the fortune of listening to a lot of different people's systems with normal hi-fi towers, normal bookshelf speakers, um, some horn systems. And, uh, this is it for me. Like I, when I heard them that first night I plugged them in, I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. So it turned out very well. Yeah, the fact that it worked is like the fact that it worked was blew my mind. Yeah, like wow, those guys, those random guys on the internet were right. (laughs) Yes, I put I put a lot of I put five hundred dollars of faith in them, and uh, they they proved me they 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 proved me right. Yeah, five hundred bucks. That's not that's not you know too much, but it is it is some gambling money. You know, yeah, it uh, is a sizable investment for sure. Especially when you think of like the materials, it's not that much. You know, what does a wooden speaker cost in yeah. real world? Like for an, a real audiophile speak wooden speaker, what does that cost? I can't think of any. There, there aren't MDF. that many. Yeah. 95% of them are MDF or high density fiber board. Uh, unfortunately, the high end industry seems to think it's some sort of achievement to knock on a speaker and not hear anything <laughs> in response. Uh, I hate that. I, I mean, you know, There's to each their own, but. It's so inert, and um, I just don't like the sound of inert acoustic systems. Uh, what, what's impressive about them is that, you know, I had them cranked super loud with really loud rock music. Like I said, there was no buzzing or rattling, but you could walk up to them and put your hand on top, and they were, like, vibrating with the music. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, that's that's what a good acoustic system should do. Um, but, you know, for some people, philo- philosophically, it's difficult for them to wrap their heads around. Yeah, so, and, and those benches, you know, those benches aren't, benches are sitting down, are they? 
Well, they are. I mean, that's that's what he meant to to sell them as. But yeah, from the same guy, he made me benches from from real pine that are acting like speaker stands. Um, because like I said, I, I wanted to have cabinets that I could pick up and lift as one person. So they're not floor standing. They're kind of halfway in between a uh, floor standing system and a bookshelf speaker where it's like, uh, they're about the size and dimensions of Altec Valencia's, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. Um, so big, like mini fridge size, but not fridge sized. If that makes sense. So tell me about the, that amp. Tell yeah. Well, about that amp. Um, I uh, I was listening to this little Philips amplifier that I <clears throat> mentioned on the show before, and uh, I wanted to make it sound better, so I started modding it, and then I broke it. Like it already had problems with um, high distortion because it's like uh, one watt into eight ohms or something. Well, they advertise two, but it's really more like one. So even if in, even if its stock configuration um, with its tiny little output transformers, it couldn't really do high volumes. And then I modded it and somehow made it worse. So now it's just like oscillating and distorting. <laughs> I should fix it. But anyway, um, I knew I was getting the cabinets and I really wanted to play with them as soon as I got them. So I was like, okay, what choices do we have? Uh, well, who delivers amplifiers in one day? Uh, the Chinese do off of Amazon. <laughs> okay, what what Chinese amps are good? Um, and that's actually when, did, I don't know, did you tell me about this one or was it was it the blog post that we read? You told me uh, Dr. John had emailed you, and then oh, I, that's right. I jokingly shared a YouTube review that was dismissing the product. Right. So yeah, Dr. John is a friend of mine who um, does does audio reviews uh, on his blog, um, and he he's currently living in Shenzhen uh, temporarily. But he's uh, confessed to me that he has something of a AliExpress slash Taobao addiction, where it's like all these um, Chinese. Uh, audio equipment like uh even cheaper than we have them here uh on amazon they can get them over there um you know one day delivery so it's like really tempting to just try a lot of it so he told us about this amp called the aima t9 Mm -hmm. i don't think they actually make it i'm pretty sure they just relabel it and it's probably sold under a bunch of different brand names but what it is it's an all-in-one integrated amplifier um Class D, tube buffer, Bluetooth, DAC, USB in, auxiliary in, auxiliary out, which is really useful on a remote. So it's like the complete package. Oh, and it has a view, view meter and tone controls. So it's like everything you could ever want in an, in an audio amp, like in one package. Did you see a remote? Yeah, it has a remote for Sounds about 100, 120 bucks US. And you can buy it off Amazon. And if you don't like it, just return it. So it's like... Okay. Um, probably sounds like shit, but you know, I trust Dr. John. He's never really led me wrong before. So I ordered it. Um, it doesn't sound like shit. It sounds really good. Actually. Um, it has good, uh, boogie factor. It like begs Mm. to be cranked up and a hundred Watts class D is like super overkill for my speakers, which I would estimate at around 97, 98 DB sensitivity, like real sensitivity, not like, uh, you know, clips numbers. Um, so they can they can get loud off of one watt, and I was really afraid that uh, it has too much gain or it's going to sound muddy or something. But no, it just sounds clean. Um, it's it's easy to listen to, not fatiguing. Um, I love the remote. You can switch all the inputs. You can turn the volume up and down. Um, it uh, does seem to need a little bit of warm up, like 10, 15 minutes. Otherwise, it sounds a little bit too soggy. 
but once you pass that, like it's just a really good amp. I think from the perspective of a non-critical listener, they should be over the moon with this thing. But even from the perspective of a critical listener who's used to more expensive stuff, yeah, if you compare it to more expensive stuff, you can see what's missing, but you don't really want to. Um, it's just easy to listen to, and, and uh, it has a nice kind of, I don't even want to use the warm word warm, but yeah, it has a nice warm sound um, without being too colored. So I like it a lot. Um, I'm going to hang on to mine, even though I'm, I'm getting a bunch of amplifiers in this month or next month. I'm going to hang on to it just like as a backup amp, maybe use it in my bedroom or something. It's really nice. Yeah, that's uh, one of the amps I was considering for my speaker project. I know you've talked a lot about the the Vanitu Zeros. Yeah, so that, that's actually the thing I wanted to mention. I use these these uh, active desktop speakers called Vanitu Zeros, and they have a Class D amp built in. Um, the sound, it's, it's ironic, the sound of this uh, T9 Tri-Fi amp hooked up to the big Isophone coaxials reminds me a lot of my Vanitus. It's just bigger and, uh, you know, better. <laughs> That's really it. It, it kind of has that um, Class D smoothness, which in my experience doesn't go away no matter how much money you spend on Class D. So it's better to just stick with the cheap stuff. Um, and it's like a double-edged sword. On one hand, it's a little bit dull or polite. You could describe it like that. On the other hand, it's not fatiguing and it's easy to listen to and it makes stuff sound good. So it's like, you know, for a hundred bucks, there's really nothing to complain about. And you're getting a DAC and the Bluetooth thrown in. The Bluetooth works perfectly. Doesn't sound that much worse than the USB, which is surprising. Um, Bluetooth has really come a long way in terms of audio. So it's, it's, it's nice. Yeah, I'm... I'm still looking to build a game clone, but the T9 is, is definitely the next best thing, I think, especially considering the price. Now, I wanted to talk about the speakers I'm trying to do research on. Well, there's quite a few, you know, speaker drivers. There's the Radiance, I, I believe they're called, the Radiant Coaxials. Um, those are just too big, I think, for my space. Uh, another one is this copperhead kit but i'm a little hesitant because i read one review that said if you buy these you'll regret it for the rest of your life very harsh words <laughs> for a speaker driver i mean how, how bad could it actually be i don't i don't think it's that bad but maybe in the stock configuration uh, my friend does not use the stock configuration so i would assume it's not that bad and uh these drivers called Mark Audio Alpairs, I believe. I was initially looking at the 7, but after looking at the drawings, I, I, I just think they're too small. I, the surround is a majority of the surface area. I think I have to go bigger. I think I have to go with the Alpair 10. I, I think that's probably a better choice. It says it's 5 inches, but it's really 4 considering the surround. Mm-hmm. And you're and looking to put them in a ported box, or I'm looking to do a small front ported box, not a circular port, more like a slot. Mm -hmm. There's it's a, a these plans called the uh, golden classic golden ratio. I think I'm going to do that those from uh, the Planet Ten guy. Um, they're pretty. They're very similar to the Sibothane. Sibothane. Boxes. 
The Silbatone boxes, yeah. They're very similar to the Silbatone boxes. You know, I I don't know what what makes those boxes good, but they look pretty they look pretty normal to me. But I don't have the drivers for those, which is our the Western Electric seven five fives. I've seen a few of them, but the the price is just like, you know, I I think I'd rather just get a pro driver instead. Yeah, thousand dollar mark for a pair that might be bad. And if you want to listen to modern music, the marks will be better anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like contested thoughts about the Mark audios. Like some of them are very smooth, you know. Some of them have a slight uh, energy to them in mm-hmm. the upper frequencies, which you know sometimes is nice. But some people really dislike it. Maybe it's not as tasteful. I found out that there's an audio company called Pearl Acoustics, and they use a modified Alpair Ten, which I believe with, with like an Ono continuous cast voice coil i'm not sure i'm not sure if that's what they use but it's just it's just a different wire from the stock version so i think i'm gonna mm-hmm. go with those i think when you're talking about really small wideband drivers like when you're talking about the three four inch range i think that metal cone is the way to go mm-hmm. you, uh, cause do I you think, think uh the bigger i should go with paper yeah because i think you know i'm not i'm really no expert that's just my intuition mm-hmm. My experience with the Vanity is, you know, they have the aluminum cone woofer. It's really a woofer and a mid-range driver because the, the tweeter doesn't do that much on these. Um, like, they sound really good near field. Um, they can play at higher volumes. They have good, like, percussive uh, qualities, and they don't ever get harsh. So that those are kind of the things that you want for small speakers and near field listening. Um, whereas I feel like a paper cone, especially if it has, like, a phase plug, or um, what is what does Fostex do? Fostex has like the pulp, which is like a form of paper, the banana pulp stuff. I feel like those might get peaky um, if you turn them up, and they might fall apart at higher volumes. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why the marks are so popular. Yeah, there's there's a lot to like about the marks. Like it's not just cast metal for the woofer. It's I don't know. It's it's extruded in a circular way. I don't I don't quite understand and. For the paper, there's actually fiberglass material inside to keep it structural. So hopefully that still sounds good. I'm kind of sketchy about the fiberglass, but it probably sounds better than carbon fiber. So, yeah. Yeah, carbon fiber has a very incisive sound. Uh, I think it's a little too much, but I, I still might go with the sevens. You know, kind of the real struggle right now is getting my cabinet builder to build them because he hates the Mark Audio drivers, even though he's never heard them, just based on the principle that they have uh, plastic uh, supports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the Mark people have done their research, and they're not that expensive either. No, I, I've I've been researching a lot about them, and the paper's supposed to be more like a Lothor? 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 I think the, the, the W is silent or something. Yeah, it's supposed to be more of that sound. I don't know what that sound is like, but it's supposed to be more of that. And the metal is supposed to be a little bit more more jazzy, I think. <laughs> more jazzy. Well, jazz, jazzy is good. Yeah, it, I mean, especially for me. I mean, I like a lot of jazz. I've been, I've been getting to some vocal stuff. So, you know, I, I don't think I can go wrong. I just got to get the cabinets built. That's the hardest part. That's the, absolutely the hardest part of... Uh, DIY speakers is getting the cabinets built. There was one audio related skill I could teach, <clears throat> excuse me, teach myself um, 
you know, it wouldn't be how to build my own amp, wouldn't be how to build my own DAC, and wouldn't be how to build my own cables. How do I build my own cabinets? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be, you know, the skill to have because then I could literally go and buy any sort of AV receiver from Goodwill and still have a sound that I like because, you know, my acoustics are sorted out. Uh, that that would be like woodworking wizard level 99 would be the skill that I want. Oh, yeah. Related. Oh, yeah. You, you can do so much, especially that front baffle. Uh, I, I know you don't really like, a, what is it, transmission lines? You're not quite a fan, but you can do some transmission line stuff. You can do some horn stuff, backloaded, you know, all kinds of horns. Um, but, you know, there's more speaker designs, obviously. Like, you didn't choose a horn design for your speaker, mm-hmm. but I'm just, I'm just like, uh, thinking of it for myself. You know, what design would best suit me? Cause not every speaker's good for every room. So, problem with horn designs is, um, you know, anyone can go and kind of buy a, a pre-made compression driver and a horn. And uh, these days, economies of scale are such that they're selling like really good stuff on like Parts Express for like hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You get you get like a, a fiberglass horn, or I don't know what they make them out of. I'm just making that up. Um, and like a nice compression driver, and it measures smoothly and has good extension, all that. The problem comes with pairing that with a woofer. Um, so to make the box and then you have to make it large enough and then you have to mess with the crossover to get the sensitivity to match and that, that, that becomes a whole issue unto itself. So there's, there's no free lunch, but, um, I know a lot of people like the two way horn systems in terms of DIY cause it's, you can wrap your head around it, but it does require, I think, space and uh, patience and experimentation. Um, yeah. 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 That's one of the designs I was thinking of, uh, not just not just for a full range, but a two-way horn system. And then I had to think about like, okay, what's what driver am I gonna pick? Okay, what horn am I gonna pick? Am I gonna go with a plastic horn, or I'm gonna go like an OMA thing, and I'm, I could only do cast horns. You know, I'm gonna be part of my marketing material. <laughs> like, what, what what horn do I really want to do? Um, what's the crossover? How are they gonna you know parallel series? Like, where do I want the inductor? Or how are they gonna connect? It's just you know, maybe just a little full ranger for now. And I think I'll figure it out later. It's good to start small, but I think any of this is a better way to go than buying commercial speakers. That I are... mean, it, the way I see it, any speaker I would build that's made out of wood, it's, it's high end because not even mid, I'm going to say mid five speakers <laughs> are, yeah. are even made out of wood. I call them uh, MDFI <laughs> yeah, for fun. Yeah. I mean, you can buy an $8,000 speaker made out of MDF, but why, why, for what? Yeah. yeah. I'd rather, uh, I don't want to hurt else. anyone's feelings if they're listening and they, they like their MDF speakers. No. Yeah. Trust me. Like, I, you know, your vanities are MDF, you know, my desktop speakers are HDF. It's, it's, it doesn't matter, but just like looking at them, it, it does, it feels different. Yeah. Maybe there's, sure. maybe there's some tonal aspects to it. I mean, I, I just, I just want to do it just to do it, just to feel good about it. It has nothing, I didn't do with anything else. It's just, I think it's a good choice. It looks good. And I can always give it away if I really wanted to. Hand it down to your children, your grandchildren heirloom item yep yeah the wood will still be there i'll stabilize the wood too (laughs) okay um what do we want to talk about next i don't know should we talk about these headphones let's talk let's talk about headphones for a little bit 
for for a little bit. We don't talk about headphones too often, but let's talk about headphones for a little bit. Well, I actually have some practical headphone advice this time around. So I mentioned, I think in the last episode, how I sold all of my headphone equipment because I preferred listening to sensitive headphones straight out of my iMac. So now I'm I'm getting a little collection of sensitive, dynamic, low impedance headphones and, um, you know, spending like 80 to 100 bucks at a time and just having fun with like their different flavors. Um, one of them is still the best for me. And I'm not going to say which one it is because mm-hmm. uh, well, I'll say which one it is. It's a Koss KTX Pro 1. You can still buy it um, for like $30, I think, off Amazon. I like it a lot. Um, but, uh, I've been, I've been messing around with other ones like today. Uh, Tom, um, likes his Grados or he liked them before. I don't know if you still use them. I, I, I like them a lot. Yeah. He likes his Grado SR60Es. Is that yeah. What you have? Yeah. Uh, on, uh, on SBAF, which is super best audio friends. It's in my tag. My guilty pleasure is my Grados and my iPod unashamedly. <laughs> So I, I had a, like a, a PTSD experience with Grados. I bought a pair of SR325X, which are the new ones, uh, after reading a very positive review, actually a bunch of very positive reviews. Uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say they're the worst headphones I've ever heard. Um, they're really bad. I couldn't listen to them. I tried to burn them in with like radio, like FM waves for like three days. The sound didn't change a bit and I returned them. And I was like, you know what? Graders are shit. Everyone who likes Graders is deaf. Um, but, you know, I said, okay, Tom likes them. How bad can they actually be? So I went on eBay. I searched for not the 60s, which you have, but the 80s. And mm-hmm. I specifically looked for the old ones because I have a f- sneaking suspicion that the new ones all suck. So I looked for the old ones, uh, which people are just basically giving away um, for cheap because they are. they're old. Everyone wants the new ones. So I bought a pair of SR80s for like $50. Um, they're in really good shape. The pads are still fresh. Um, and I've been listening to them today and I, I like them. I like my costs a little bit more, but I like these a lot. You can drive them straight off of a computer or a phone. You don't need an amp. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a little bit colored, but for the music that I listen to, it's like they turn the EQ sliders just a little bit in a few different places to kind of emphasize, um, certain aspects of rock music. Oh yeah, I listen to a lot of rock, so they, I like them a lot. And now I'm thinking of buying uh, more expensive Grados just to see like kind of how far could they take it. Um, but again, only old ones because I am convinced the X series are not good. And I would highly suggest if you're looking for Grados, buy the old ones because they were built better, they sound better, and they're cheaper. There's like a triple like win for you. So. That, that's actually the most surprising thing. These are the plastic entry-level ones from like, I don't know when, 2005 maybe when they made these. And the 325X I bought were like the highest of the SR series, supposedly metal construction for the cups. Uh, oh, supposedly a brand new cable that's braided instead of plastic. But every single thing about them was worse in terms of the build quality. The cups were not as high quality. The gimbals were not as high quality. The headband was worse. The cable was awful. Like it was just tangling on itself. I actually like the vinyl wrapped cable on these SR80s. So oh yeah, I, I love it. It's just amazing to me, like how much worse um, headphones have gotten over time. Like in the early 2000s, you had so many options as a consumer on a budget to buy good stuff. Mm-hmm. And now I think so much of the emphasis is just on, you know, wireless stuff and convenience, which is fine. I understand that's where the technology has gone. 
But unfortunately, the companies that are still in the business of making supposedly hi-fi headphones, they just don't seem to care anymore. And they're kind of just milking it for their name and their brand value. Oh, yeah. And I guess people who, um, you know, I I don't want to be insulting to anyone because people obviously do their research, they read reviews or whatever. But if all you ever hear is like the latest Grados and you never compare them to the old ones, you won't realize what you're missing. And I could say that for like a dozen different manufacturers. It's not, it's not just limited yep. to Grado. I would say that for Koss. I'd say that for Sennheiser. I'd say that for Odyssey. I'd even say that for High Feynman, which I hate. I hate them. But <laughs> I have to admit, their old headphones sound a lot better than their new ones. And I don't know why that is. Um, I only have some theories, but there's no real concrete reason for this kind of decline in quality, especially considering that personal audio as a market has only been uh, exponentially growing since that that period of time so it's kind of funny that now there's more money in it there's more money in it people care less and the quality's gone down yeah maybe it's just you know just trying to cut as many corners make as much profit to sell as many headphones for grado i'm sorry if they're grado fans but for grado that definitely seems to be the case they definitely seem to be very very much concerned with saving pennies on plastic parts and drivers and cables because it's just abysmal how, how badly built those uh, X-series headphones were. They were not cheap either. They're like 400 bucks. Yeah, quite, quite a lot. I wanted to add that the Grado SR80Es were what got me into the hobby. Eventually, mm-hmm. when they broke, I was completely satisfied for so many years. Yeah. Right out the headphone out on my computer. Just absolutely satisfied. Yeah, I think if you listen to certain types of music and you don't have certain expectations for like very low frequencies, mm-hmm. um, then oh, these yeah. are these are like all you need. Um, and then the other pair of cans that I've I picked up on Sunday, I want to say so very recently. We're recording this on Monday, so yesterday, yeah, yesterday, uh, are a pair of Sony MA nine hundreds. Um, these were really popular for a while and I knew about them for a long time, but for whatever reason, I just didn't buy them. Eventually they became discontinued. What's unique about these, um, most headphones re- like rely, they're either on ear. So they rely on firing directly into your ear cavity, or they rely on form, uh, forming some sort of seal around your head in, in order to get bass, um, in a proper like image. These don't do either. They're over ear but they sit like pillows on your head and Sony purposefully broke the seal. There's absolutely no seal. They're completely open. And the reason they did that is because they believe that one of the reasons people get fatigue from listening to headphones is um, kind of the lack of crossfeed. So just, you know, when you listen to speakers in your room, your, your both ears are hearing both channels, if that makes sense. But with headphones, each ear gets its own channel. And so you kind of get that uncanny effect. Um, so they attempted to address that in the MA900 by A, making them totally open. And then B, they actually built in an electrical crossfeed into the stock cable. And I've read of people like um, tearing it off and installing a normal cable. Don't do that. That's the <laughs> stupidest thing you could do because it makes them sound a lot better. It's the um, charm. It's the charm. Exactly. That's what the headphones are all about. And then the other great thing about these is just uh, superb sensitivity, like... Uh, can drive them right off of my uh, headphone jack on the, the Mac or the phone or whatever. Um, and they sound really good, extremely comfortable because they're, again, no dependency for seal. They just sit on your head, really lightweight. So Sony kind of killed it with these. Um, and they weren't that expensive. They were $150 Canadian, which is like um, not real money. It's like 
Plato money. So uh, maybe a hundred US. So um, those are my two recommendations for today. If you're looking for affordable headphones, maybe you're not a headphone guy and you just want something to listen to while you work at your desk or something, um, look for these Sonys. You can find them on eBay, even though they're discontinued. And, you know, look for Grado's SR60s or SR80s, but the old ones, not the new ones. Okay, those would be the ones without a letter. Yeah, without a letter. Uh, I believe the I is the the generation after E. And then after that, it's the newest generation, which is X, which we do not recommend. Do not recommend. I mean, they could be good, but, you know, I haven't heard them, so I can't say they are good. Uh, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> worst headphones I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of headphones. Worse, worse than those uh, Sennheiser HD, was it 414s? Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, remember, I remember that moment. It was, it was You're like, that's two strikes for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's out. Yeah. You know, just, just the way it is. Um. Wanted to add a little bit. I've been uh, experimenting a little bit with some cables. No, I haven't been spending hundreds of dollars on them. I've just been swapping some cables I have. I have some... Uh, what is it? This silver... I have these silver serpents I bought on on HeadFi a long time ago. Silver but, serpent? Yeah, it's. I'm pretty sure that? it's just a, a Belden coaxial cable that's silver-plated. And they charge a hundred bucks for it. So if you make it yourself, you can you can have a high end cable for like five bucks. But I, I think the appeal of it is that they uh, sonically weld it. Oh okay. I've had those. Uh, I've had. Oh, they're literally from a company called BetterCables.com. Quite quite possibly. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I bought it from some guy when I bought a headphone amp a long time ago. Could never hear a difference until much later on. Uh, very subtle. Uh, the other cable is a. It's not an AudioQuest cable, but I believe it's a cable the company AudioQuest bought out to build cables. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find them on eBay for. I don't know, fifteen bucks. It's not. It's not too bad, but I probably would just get a forced if I was to be honest. Uh, what makes this cable interesting is that it's actually very bright. It's a very bright cable. It, I've I don't know if that's some distortion, if that's it's woven some in some certain way, but it's it's very bright. I used to have to use EQ. I know it's a little taboo, but I would have to use EQ because I thought my speakers are too bright. But it was actually this cable, and when I when I swapped it out, I was like, oh man, I wish I would have known. Is it an interconnect or what? It is an interconnect, just an RCA inter- interconnect. Yeah, um, I've had uh, many of those moments, those oh man moments. It's like, oh, it was the cable, dang. <laughs> but yeah, I've cool. mostly found that expensive cables are a massive disappointment. Yes, which brings me to my third cable. <laughs> it's is this cable called a a Hosa? Is this brand the Hosa? Mm-hmm. The Hosa cable is, is so good. I bought it. Who recommended the Hosa cable? It was actually you, and I and yeah. I did not take you seriously up until say it ain't so. I was desperate on uh, Amazon. I'm like, well, my deck has a second out, but it's only quarter inch. Mm. Mm. This one, this one seems to be on sale, so I bought it, put it in, 
listen to it, I'm like, wow, this, this is this is better. Dialed my uh, EQ back to neutral and blamed the cable. Yeah, the number one um, quality you should look for in uh, cables is that they sound normal, which uh, almost no expensive uh, audio marketed cable does. And it's on purpose. It's because um, people who are looking for expensive audio cables are not looking for normal sound. Um, there's many reasons for that, but like that's like more of a philosophical discussion. But uh, yeah, the Hosa cables, I do recommend them. You can buy them at Guitar Center. Like any music store carries them. Amazon carries them. They're like $10, depending on the length you need. Um, in terms of the interconnects in specific, they have like a, a cheapo tier, which you get like plastic plugs. And then the more expensive tier, you get the nice metal Neutrik plugs. Um, but I think the wire is the same. Even if it's not, it doesn't matter. The good thing about the Hosa cables, they sound normal. That's yep. the good thing about them. Um, so yeah, the... And I, I recently had a similar experience where I was uh, I had a bunch of different expensive USB cables on my Vanitus just for fun um, to see if I can make them sound better because the sound did change a lot. And uh, I noticed subconsciously, and then I, I became conscious of it, I was listening to them less and less. Like I was at my desk. I have my Vanitus here. I used to listen to them for like eight hours a day, and then I just found I was preferring listening to headphones. I was like, how can that be? Um, and it didn't occur to me that the, U the USB cable I had on there that was like 200 bucks, almost as much as the speakers, uh, was actually making them worse in some very important fundamental ways. And I went into my closet. I dug out the USB cable that came with. It's like a black, thick printer cable, um, mm -hmm. super long length, like everything not audiophile possible about it. And uh, it, it sounds better. So that's what I use now. And I, I don't think I'm going to change it again <laughs> because... Um, I've tried a bunch of USB cables and I've, I've always come to the same conclusion. They impress you at first. And then, um, if you actually go back after a few days, you're like, this is fucked. <laughs> uh, so it sounds worse. It sounds worse. Um, yeah, it's a very strange phenomenon. I'm sure there's some people listening right now who did like, it doesn't even occur to them that USB cables can sound different and that's okay. It's actually probably a better philosophy to have. Yeah, um, they'll mess with it. Don't mess with it. Um, if, but if you do mess with it, I highly recommend you stick the cheap ones. Um, even the cheap ones can sound pretty different. Um, sometimes the ones that like look like regular printer cables can sound pretty good. Sometimes they sound pretty awful. Um, an example of them sounding pretty awful, the T9 amp we were talking about earlier, they include a USB cable in the box. It sounds really bad. Um, you know, It's nice of them to include it because I'm sure a lot of people will complain if they didn't. But uh, it actually, it's a $100 amp and you can hear the difference switching that USB cable for like, you know, another $10 one that you might have lying around. It's strange to say that, but it's true. Um, and I think it, it's a compliment to the amp that it can actually, you know, show you the differences in that type of thing. But not everyone wants that. I, I always uh, like joking that the only gear recommendation we have is, is actually just cables. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, look, it's, it's the only thing that's uh, universal most of the time. I, uh, you know, cables can fuck your shit up, man, if you're not careful. And mm -hmm. we, we don't recommend, I actually actively recommend avoiding the expensive ones, but for the opposite reason that most people who say that do, which is that they don't make a difference, it's that they do make the wrong difference mm -hmm. a lot of the time. So you have to be really careful with them. And if you find yourself kind of late at night 
um, you know, you're bored and you're shopping and you're reading cable reviews, that's like a pretty good like uh, time to give yourself a slap on the face and wake up <laughs> and stop, stop, um, just stop doing that. Yeah, I, I would love to hear cables till you know my my head turns blue, but uh, my face turns blue. But uh, you know, for me, it it's really just about if I'm not worrying about it, it's good enough. It's good. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what differences I really seek in a cable, but if my system sounds wrong, it's either the cable or a component. I, I don't. I don't know what well, it cables is. Are, the cables are a component. You got to think of them like that, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some cables that are quite interesting to me. Very expensive. Uh, way out of my budget. But, you know, I would I would like to hear what, what it sounds like. Good or bad. But I do like these, these Hulsa cables. I quite like them. Yeah, the next step for me is to make my own cables. Because I, I have now a bunch of cables, like speaker cables, interconnects, USB, all cheap stuff that I like that other people have made. And now it's like the only way I think I can do better is if I actually just do it myself. Yeah, so. I, I quite like the the Belden 9497 for speakers. I don't know what would be better for it, especially at its price. I think nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend that doesn't like it, but he's, you know, he's driven by, by numbers instead of, instead of enjoyment, I think. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know what move I would go. Um, there's a few other cables that I'm interested in, but they, obviously they cost twice, three times as much, five times as much, a hundred times as much. You know, so maybe a solid core option, I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's um, talk about it another time. Yeah, maybe maybe that's a teaser for for everyone listening. Um, as always, we're just, we're gonna end it off with uh, some music recommendations. Um, let's see, what music do I like? Um, six hundred year old butt song from hell. No, don't think I'm gonna recommend that this week. Uh, oh, I, I quite like Hannah this. Vu. What was that? Hannah Vu. Hannah Vu. You know, I did like that song, but I listened to the other songs. And I did not like them. But okay. I do, I do quite like Hannah Vu. Uh, you know, I really want to see where she she goes in her music career. Uh, but this week, no, I I will not. I like recommending an album personally. Uh, I, I think it's just uh, it's just more enjoyable to be able to sit down and actually listen to a full album. Oh, this song was so good. People are waiting, Tom, for your recommendation. Can I go first? Well, you make yep. up your mind. All right. Yes. Uh, I recommend Christina Vane. She's a singer-songwriter, country folk, uh, Americana, I guess you could say that. Um, blues, bluegrass, kind of dabbles in all of them. Uh, I don't have an album recommendation because I will confess I haven't listened to any of her albums. I just found her videos on youtube and um we'll put it in the the podcast description the one that i really liked but um check her out and then in terms of live music this month i'm seeing laura stevenson um who's a singer songwriter from upstate new york and war paint who are one of my favorite bands are in toronto end of july so 
very much look forward to that. All right. For my album, I'm going to recommend Built to Spill. I believe I ripped ripped this off your iPod. And I randomly randomly played it. Um, I forget for what reason, but I think I think when I was changed my cable, I'm like, man, what the heck? Like, I gotta do something. <laughs> so I I put this album on. Uh, I heard uh, what is the album is called? The uh, Perfect from Now On, and the uh, the song that I really liked was called Randy Described Eternity. Yeah, quite quite amazing. Like, wow, <laughs> I was hearing that. I was like, dang, this is this is so good. Like, what am I doing? Like, I gotta. You gotta explore this uh, artist more. The artist is built to spill. Really That's like that song. Best best indie rock albums of the late nineties. Like it's not even close. Yeah, this one reminded me a bit of uh American football, granddaddy, you know, just just to name a few, but obviously this one's a little unique, you know. They have their own vibe, but I like I like I like this song. This song is Randy described eternity quite quite splendid like if you like rock that's it listen to that on my grados right after this yeah great track great album and uh i think that's that's it cool episode 10 down episode 10 you know hopefully to another 10 eventually uh eventually (laughs) we are we are trying to be (laughs) bi-monthly maybe Maybe buy uh by quarter. Bicentennial. Yeah, bicentennial. Well, they'll come out when they come out because we want to make them. Exactly. And hopefully, Not we got a product to sell you. Oh, a product to sell you? Yeah. Uh, you can donate money to us, so I stop paying for the hosting fees. If you don't do that. There's going to be a new Amazon affiliate link every episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to put the T9 on there. Uh, I'll just link to Dr. John's review. Good idea. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's all, folks. Episode Thank 10. Thank Bye. you.